thank you, Ina. And thank you to Tyler and Shailen. It's great to hear those stories. We enjoy hearing stories and how God is working. And I'm so impressed with your German. That's amazing. I know that means a lot to the people that you work with. And when you actually learn their language and live among them, I know that means a lot. So thank you. It's good to be back with y'all. I've been, I haven't preached, I think, in three weeks. And so it's like, wow, you know, it's good to be back here with you and get an opportunity to share with you. Um, I was so blessed and want to thank you for allowing me to go on the mission trip and then also to have a time of vacation. And man, as soon as I came back, we had science camp this week. So, man, I was right back in it. So it was a a great week. And I want to ask all of you in here who helped in any shape or form this week with our science camp, would you stand up at this time? We have some of these people. Yes, thank you very, very much. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. We had some great kids, but these are the people that come every night and stay for several hours, and I'm, I'm so thankful for you and y'all helping us with that because we, we really need it. Well, um, last week I heard uh, uh, Paul Leslie was here and did a great job, and I heard y'all had some great music here as well. And uh, so uh, uh, very, very thankful for that. And I want to get back into 1 John. We're going to look at chapter 5 today. We've been doing a study in, in uh, 1 John. Uh, and so in this particular text today that we're going to look at, you're going to notice as we read it in a little bit that there's a word that keeps coming up over and over and over again. And it's testimony. It's testimony or testify. You'll hear this over and over again. And so in the last few weeks... As I thought about that word testimony, I thought about some things that have happened um, in the life of the church that I have noticed about that word testimony or just in in life in general. Uh, And we know what testimony is, a formal or written uh, spoken statement. And and a lot of times we think of that in terms of a court of law. That's, you know, somebody's testimony. Um, It's evidence or proof provided by the existence or appearance of something. That's also testimony. Um, a, a public recounting or a telling of a religious conversion or experience. You know, that's, that's a testimony. Um, or simply a person acknowledging or sharing an experience about this is what happened on this date and you're telling somebody uh, your experience, okay, or your testimony about what happened. So recently, there's three things that have happened that I've noticed where testimony came up. So I think it was... I want to say July 3rd. I may not be right, but I know it was the 1st of July. I'm sitting in my office, and I hear a crash out front there on 29, and there was a wreck out in front of the church. And so I know James and Richard and I went running down there, and there's a car that has been knocked up into our yard, and there's a tractor trailer without the trailer on the other side of the road. And then there's another car down 29 off the road that's obviously been hit as well. So I look in the car, and lo and behold, it's one of our members. And she's a little shaken up, and I think she's actually in shock. So at that time, you know what happens in an accident. You're taking testimonies from all the different people that are involved, and you're trying to find out what actually happened here. And at the time, she couldn't tell me what happened because she was a little bit in shock and a little bit shaken up, and she didn't really know because she was the one that hit. So basically what happened, a guy was test driving a tractor-trailer, brand new, and as he's coming down 29, she's in the, getting ready to turn left into the church, and he looks up and realizes, oh, wow, she's completely stopped. And he locks it down, and he starts fishtailing, and he hits her, 
knocks her onto southbound coming traffic and just barely misses a guy in a Geico insurance car and then hits a pilot who just got off of work at Delta and T-bones him and knocks him. So we kind of piece all this together with the different testimonies and we realize what happened. And luckily, everybody, thankfully, everybody was okay. I always kind of wonder about the whole test drive of a brand new truck. How does that work? But anyway, I felt bad for that guy. So, but there were all these testimonies and we have um, Coweta County Sheriff was here and uh, we're taking water down there to people because it's really hot and trying to, you know, help everybody share. But ultimately, you have to put all that together and figure out what testimony is true and what actually happened in this accident. The other thing, um, on a different type of testimony, when we were in Guatemala, our team leader, uh, my team leader, and we had two teams, uh, was Luke Stavely, who many of you know, who's uh, uh, on staff there at Casas. And so one night, Mike asked him to give his testimony, and we heard a powerful testimony from Luke talking about, this is where I was a few years ago in very vivid detail, and this is where I am now, and it's all because of what Christ has done in my life. And we were all just kind of mesmerized because he was very um, honest about where he was and where he is now and how the church and how Casas and all that has come together in his testimony. So that's another type testimony. And then probably most of you, if you were like me, at some point this week, there was a certain day where there was a kind of important testimony given um, in our government. And I switched on the radio while I was going somewhere, and I'm listening to this. And um, on, that, on the accident testimony, I finally figured out, it was pretty clear after listening to all the different people, it was pretty clear on what the actual testimony was of that accident. When I heard Luke's testimony, it was pretty clear this is accurate, him telling about my life. But when I listened to that stuff in court this week, I don't know about y'all, but is anybody clear on exactly what has happened in the last three years? Because I'm still trying to figure that one out. Did somebody, did the Russians, were they involved in our election? Because I still can't figure it out. But there was a lot of testimony given, and they were very adamant about their testimonies, weren't they? So I don't know how much, um, you know, confidence we have in our system right now. But anyway, I think you understand where I'm going with testimonies. So I want us to look at a, a specific passage. But we do this in our lives every day, don't we? We hear testimonies. We may not necessarily call them testimonies, but we hear people testify about something that's happened in their life or something that's happened at work or something that's happened uh, like maybe in an accident or at the doctor's office or whatever. And based on those testimonies, we go onto the computer and we hear testimonies. We hear people talking about their view on things, and we have to process all those testimonies we hear and come up with how am I going to process that? How am I going to get truth out of this? And we do it every day in our lives. Based on the experience we have, the people that we deal with, we have to draw conclusions based on people's testimonies. And we make decisions going forward based on the conclusions we make based on those testimonies. So the Apostle John, in his letter to a group of Jesus followers, he was pastoring there in the first century, and we've been going through this letter, um, he makes this point. You're going to hear a lot of testimonies about people saying who God is, who Jesus is. And it was interesting, um, as Tyler talked about that young man and his group, who's saying, hey, you know, I don't, I don't trust that. I, I'm, I'm an atheist, and I don't trust that, and I'm angry about it. But, you know, John is in the same kind of boat. He's having people who are hearing all kind of different things that don't really trust, and he's trying to set them on the clear foundation of who Jesus is. And so we're going to read this, and I'm going to go back to something uh, in, in a previous chapter in just a little bit. But let's read First uh, John chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. And this is what John says. Thank, thank you guys for having that up on the screen. 
So everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. It is the Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and the three are in agreement. We accept human testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God which he has given about his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God accepts this testimony. Whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because they have not believed the testimony God has given about his Son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Did you count how many times he said testimony or testify there? You probably didn't, but you noticed there was a lot, wasn't it? I think there's eight or ten in just that one passage alone. So he's making clear this is what he's talking about. So this first part of this fifth chapter really ties in with what John was saying in the last part of chapter 4. Now, it's been a few weeks since we've gotten back into this letter, but you remember the last person that, that talked about this letter was James. And James did a great job that week, and he talked about how the world's perception of love and the reality of love as God, as God designed it are very different things. The world's perception is this is what love is, but God's design of what love is and what he talks about in Scripture is very different. God's uh, love, James told us, involves tangible acts of love, real love, clear actions. And through these actions, the world, people will really see whether or not Jesus is on the throne of my heart and I'm motivated to do things of love for other people because of him or not. And you may remember the last few sentences of that chapter 4. It says, Whoever claims to love God, yet hates his brother or sister, is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen, cannot love God who they have not seen. And then he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. So John's been reiterating that, and James in his sermon talked about that. You can't just talk about love. You can't just have a feeling of love. It has to be done with action. And I think, as Tyler shared this morning, finally an angry atheist saw love in action through interweave. And because of that, it started to change his mind and his heart about who is Christ and who are Christians. And that's what happens when we see tangible things acted out in love. So John says this, Therefore, if we have faith in Jesus' Son, we're not, uh, we're not only showing that we love God, but we love His Son and all of God's children as well. Listen to what he says. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves His child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out His commands. In fact, this love... Uh, this is love for God, to keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. And that first part there, it says, who doesn't love the kids of someone that you love, right? Now, you might say, well, wait a minute, I have a friend, and I love them, but I don't like their kids. 
you might say that. But generally speaking, if somebody we love has a baby and you know they're having a baby, we get all excited about that. And a lot of times we become very close to that, that child or those kids. We might even become godparents or, or part of, you know, almost part of the family if you're a friend or if you're family. You know that's true. How can we love someone and not love their children? He says, how can you love God and not understand and love Christ or any of your brothers and sisters? Because we're all from God. We're all begotten of God. And he says he commands us to do that. And that might seem commanding people to love people. Is that really love? You know, it's like telling my kids, now love your sister. Love your brother. Well, you can't make someone do that. But he's saying, no, this is at the very core of who we are as Christians. We have to really show love. When we truly love God, we accept Jesus as God's son and our savior. And we obey God's commands to love our brothers and sisters, not out of obligation, but because we recognize We love to show obedience to God, that we trust him. When he says what I'm supposed to love, I trust that that's what I'm supposed to do. Even in the times when my feeling doesn't feel like it, I'm going to go ahead and do that. Because it's what God has called me to do, and he's done that for me. And John said that God's commands are not burdensome. They're not oppressive. They are reasonable. They're obtainable. And they can be transforming, not only in our lives, but in someone else. And so when we love someone in spite of their attitude, and again, I keep going back to what Tyler said, I keep thinking about that, because in spite of I'm angry, I'm, I'm a skeptic, you can't change me, we're going to love you anyway. We're going to keep loving you, and we're going to ask you to be involved with us. And all of a sudden, it starts breaking down. Wait a minute, maybe these Christians aren't who I thought they were. Maybe I don't quite understand God like I thought I did, and you see that change. And that's exactly what John's talking about. So John says the testimony, that that truth, according, John has been consistent about this testimony of who Jesus really is throughout his letter, the absolute truth and importance of acknowledging and putting faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God and Savior of the world, who was born, who lived, who was crucified, and was resurrected of the dead. John keeps saying this over and over again. This is the foundation. The testimony, that truth, according to John, is foundational to our Christianity. And all the other conclusions we come to in life have to be based on what we do with Jesus. So I want to read chapter 5, verses 4 through 12 again. Now, when we got, and I'm going to read this one. Um, It can be a bit confusing as you read all that about water and blood. Did anybody kind of go, now what now? What What is John saying here? So I'm going to read from the message, which is a little different translation. Listen to what he said. He says this. He says, every person um, begotten, every God begotten person conquers the world's ways. The conquering power that brings the world to its knees is our faith. The person who wins out over the world's ways is simply the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus, the divine Christ, he experienced a life-giving birth. Now think about that whole water and blood thing. What is he trying to say? But think about birth and water. Listen, he says, not only birth from the womb, but baptismal birth of his ministry and sacrificial death. And all the while, the Spirit is confirming the truth, the reality of God's presence at Jesus' baptism and crucifixion, bringing those occasions alive for us, a triple testimony, the Spirit, the baptism, the crucifixion, and the three are in perfect agreement. If we take uh, human testimony at face value, how much more should we be reassured when God gives testimony as he does here, testifying concerning his Son? Whoever believes in the Son of God inwardly confirms God's testimony. Whoever refuses to believe in effect calls God a liar, refusing to believe God's own testimony regarding his Son. This is the testimony in essence. God gave us eternal life. 
and life is in his son. So whoever has the son has life, and whoever rejects the son rejects life. Does that maybe clear it up a little bit better for you? It helped me a little bit. So I want to kind of go back on some of that a little bit. John is saying, look, I, I know it's hard to understand. I know there's a lot of things floating around, but he's basically launching into an attempt to connect the dots for this community of Christ followers that are fairly new Christians in this first century. They're trying to figure all this out just like we are. We're hearing all these testimonies on the Internet, all these things we read and hear and go into our minds everywhere we go. How do we process that? And how do we line that up with what God says in his word about who Jesus really is? And John's saying, I'm telling you, I was with him, and I want you to hear my testimony. Those conclusions were vital to transforming their lives, and John knows that. Why? Well, there were others in the community, as we've talked about in this letter, that John's saying, you've got to be aware. Remember, there was people in the church who were saying, Jesus really wasn't God in, in the flesh. And John's going, whoa, 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 what are you saying? We can't have that teaching in the church. And John calls them out, continues to say, we are not, you're not going to teach that because it's not true. And he calls them out. And some of those people actually left the church. But they were saying that they had this special knowledge that was very exclusive, not inclusive like Jesus talks about presenting truth. And they were denying the incarnation of Jesus, that Jesus was actually God in the flesh. And John's going, nah, I'm going to have to call you out on that. That's not true. He was God in the flesh. And he did physically die on the cross and he did physically raise from the dead because without that we're still lost in our sins but that actually did happen so john is saying you have to look closely at the testimony compared to mine i was with jesus john says for three years and became very close to him as i experienced many amazing moments and we know john has already written his gospel and now later in life he's writing these letters but listen to this listen to what jesus said in john's gospel talking about the future of the coming of the Holy Spirit and how John and the other disciples were going to have to testify. And here's the thing. He's also saying in that gospel that future Christians like us are going to be able to testify to what we know about Christ. When the advocate comes, this is from John's gospel, chapter 15. When the advocate comes, and he's talking about the Holy Spirit, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you, will, you, and you must also testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. Now, he's talking to his disciples. So John is saying, at the time, he probably didn't quite grasp all this. But when he received the Holy Spirit, now he knows, I have to testify to the truth. That's what God has called me to do. So I want to kind of go through there. You think about Jesus' birth, and that maybe refers to the water, possibly. There's, you know, when, when a mom's water breaks, what happens right after that? The baby comes, right? So Jesus was born. We know that. Mary and other family members validated Jesus' birth. John talked to them, all the special things surrounding his birth. Baptism, witnesses were there when John the Baptist baptized Jesus. And you remember what happened. It said the Spirit of God descended on him like a dove. And there was a voice that said, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. And John's referring to all of that. This is the testimony about Jesus. The transfiguration, John was an eyewitness. I don't know how many of y'all remember the transfiguration, but that was something very powerful that Jesus went up on a mountain one day with several disciples, and John was there, and they saw some amazing supernatural type things. And again, they heard this voice say, this is my son, whom I love, whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. And when you hear a voice from heaven saying that, that's a pretty powerful testimony because that's what he says. 
And at the crucifixion, John was an eyewitness. I saw Jesus get nailed to that cross. I was at the foot of the cross with his mom. I saw him die. John says in his Gospels in chapter 19, The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus, and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. This man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies so that you may believe. John's saying, I saw that, and there's that water and blood thing again. I saw that, and he's saying, I, I'm a test, I testify to you. I was standing at the foot of the cross. I saw the spear go in Jesus' side. I saw the water and blood go out. He was dead. How could John ever forget that day, ever in his life? So at the resurrection, John says, I was an eyewitness. I saw him die on that cross. I saw them take Jesus down on that cross. I saw Joseph of Arimathea come and take his body and put him in his tomb. And we were all wondering, what in the world? How did this happen? How is God dead? How is Jesus dead? But then they went to the tomb after three days, and the tomb was empty. And John was an eyewitness. I touched Jesus. I heard Jesus speak. I saw him eat a piece of fish in our presence. I know that Jesus was alive. He was there at the ascension. I saw Jesus. I heard Jesus give us the great commission. So all of this, on the day of Pentecost, John was there. He received the power of the Holy Spirit. So John's going, this is my testimony. I, I, I dare you to go out with anybody else in this community that has a better testimony about who Jesus really is than what I've experienced. That's what he's saying to these people. And John's not saying this to build himself up. Why is he saying it? It goes back to his gospel and in his letters where he always says, I tell you this so that you may what? Believe. My, the thing that God has called me to do is to tell you the testimony so that you may believe in Jesus and have that eternal life. So the bottom line is that John says, this is exclusive. He says at the end there, and in both versions, whether it was the NIV or whether it was the message, they both were almost identical. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. That sounds so exclusive. We don't like to hear that in our culture. What about other beliefs? What about other religions? What about other faiths? It was Jesus who was certainly so inclusive, is so inclusive with his offer of grace and salvation for the whole world. That's why he came. However, Jesus was very clear in his claim about that salvation that is inclusive for all people and that it forgives our sins and restores us to God, but it only comes exclusively through him. Truth, by definition, is exclusive. And so that's why Jesus said, and John recorded it in his gospel in chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. That's an exclusive claim, but that's an exclusive truth. And John's trying to tell those young, new followers of Jesus, you've got to get this. This is so crucial. So today, I have to ask all of us, whose testimony are we, believe, <clears throat> are we believing in? Whose testimony are we grasping and saying, I believe that? I've been blessed to be in this church for most of my life, and I'm thankful that the preachers and the teachers took that same testimony of John, and they taught it to me, and it's continuing to be passed on. You think about it. Today, and you have access to all kinds of witnesses and testimonies, but today we have heard from one of Jesus' closest disciples, his testimony that's been passed on for over 2,000 years, and throughout that time, guess what? The testimony remains the same. 
that same Jesus that he was talking to to those first century Christians. The Crawfords are telling people in Germany about this same Jesus. And the same testimony is true. He did come. He was physically in the flesh. He did experience pain. He did suffer. He did die on that cross. But he did resurrect from that cross. And because of his suffering and pain on that cross, as we read about today in communion, he who knew no sin, what? Became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. And so throughout that time, the testimony remains the same. But for those who have embraced it, their lives have never been the same. So what about you today? Have you embraced the testimony of Jesus? I'm not asking you if you believe in God. There's a lot of people who say they believe in God. Or they've been faithful to to come into church and doing a lot of stuff and programming at church. But I'm asking as John did, do you have the son? And that's the question that John challenges here. He's got to be a part of your life and everything that you do. His testimony becomes your testimony. So this morning we're going to offer an invitation. Maybe there's somebody here today that says, I need to name Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I've talked about him. I've thought about him. Maybe I've even sang about him, but I need to name him. If you need to do that today, we want to offer that. But we also want to offer an invitation to be a part of this body of believers where we take that foundational teaching of who Jesus is and who Jesus calls us to be in the world We take that seriously as a church, and if you want to be a part of this church and join us, we invite you to do that as well. So Mike's going to come and lead us in song. If you have a decision today, we ask that you walk forward, and we'll try to walk you through that as we stand and sing together this morning.